we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. We're looking at a lot of the questions that have come in from the 100th episode of the Q&A on America Out Loud Pulse. Uh, It was a big milestone to be sure. And I know a lot of you out there felt the same way. We got a lot of questions. We're gonna pick up that momentum today on the 101st Q&A for sure. So we're gonna spend some time on the questions. But before we do, I want to get give everybody an update too as to where we stand right now. We're right in the thick of the flu and winter season viruses, and let me get a healthcare, what I call kind of a state of the union of healthcare. And we'll do that with Dr. McCullough. Welcome to America Out Loud Pulse. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here, uh, along with my co-host, Dr. Peter McCullough. It's a sense of healthcare right now out there. How are we doing in the in the thick of the season right now? Uh, do you see? Well, let's take the infectious diseases uh, right off the bat. So uh, with SARS-CoV-2 infection or COVID-19 illness, we're back to a hyperdominant strain, Omicron strain called JN1. The mm-hmm. CDC data uh, as of uh, today on their uh, website, so it'll be contemporary for this week, uh, this will be dated 121-2024 to 2-3-2024. It always runs in arrears. <clears throat> JN1 is 93.1% of all the strains. There is a rise in COVID-19 that we've seen towards the end of the year and into January. A lot of people have, have gotten uh, an upper respiratory tract illness. This one seems to be characterized as being a bit longer and having more of a productive cough towards the end, Malcolm. Everyone's uh, uh, generating sputum production, and what I have found useful in my practice, and I check with my practice partner, Dr. Proctor, same experience, is that we're using doxycycline really to handle the secondary bacterial component of this. I think this is the JN1 variant. Now, the current boosters cover XBB 1.5. They don't cover JN1. And XBB 1.5, according to CDC data, 0% of strains right now. Wow. And yet they're still pushing that. That doesn't even cover the program. It's amazing, isn't it? Right. It's true that the uh, the vaccines are facing now considerable headwind. You see lawsuits, uh, papers calling for their removal from the market, and uh, I think they'll cons- they'll still you know face this headwind now. Very few people take them. Although I don't know if you saw the Parliament exchange between uh, Andrew Brigden, lower house where he was presenting on vaccine injuries and deaths. And then their new yeah. prime minister, Rishi Sunak, who got up with the book and he says, the vaccines are always been safe and effective. And everyone said, here, here, here. I don't know if you ever watched that uh, British parliamentary procedure. But uh, the fact that the prime minister doubled down, would not hear any arguments, still shows you how the narrative is so firmly entrenched in these governments. Yeah, they're set in their ways and they're not bending at all. I mean, we see that continuously. They do not back down these people. And we questioned that some time ago, you and I did, whether they would ever back down or not or hold fast. And so far they're holding fast. Uh, let me ask you about, um, so right now with this, uh, the uh, 
the 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 COVID that's uh, hitting right now. Jan one, you call it's called Jan mm-hmm. one. Jan yeah. one. Yeah. So let me ask you. It, it, we talked a while back about this becoming part of the. I don't know, the regular vernacular of uh, uh, flus or viruses we'd have. In other words, we said early on, I remember this conversation you and I had a couple of times where this would become just sort of expected. It would become, okay, like just another form of the influenza would be the COVID uh, uh, flu or virus or whatever. And then it would become more routine. And that, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm asking you, I guess. Is that sort of what we're seeing now with this JN1 where it's become just part of the fabric of the winter season. Is this what we're going to see season after season now, do you think? Because I see a lot of people get sick and they say, well, I don't know if I got COVID, but, you know, it might be or might not be, but they're not getting tested anymore. So I don't think most people even know or care. I, I, is that safe to say? Or It's true. Most people are not even getting tested. If they do, I had somebody today who tested and in fact, it was COVID-19. I think it was her fourth uh, time. Wow. Uh, but some people do get it more severely each time, Malcolm. I've come to respect Why this. is that? Do you know? Do you know why that is? Uh, you know, really? some have postulated that it's blood type, that the A positive red blood cells have more hemagglutination with the spike protein mm-hmm. compared to O negative. Uh, others, you know, it's a group that always really skated through this whole thing were smokers. Smokers always it. had, yeah, they had less... Uh, Serious COVID, of course, young people and babies. And so each person is different. And some people do require treatment. I had a patient today who needed Fomacolor protocol. She's been through this before. There still are uh, novel cases. I saw a very frail patient last week, took a vaccine and developed a horrible injury to it two years later. But I asked her if she got COVID. She goes, oh, no, me and my, uh, my husband have been very, very careful. We've been reclusive. So I tested her. She had no antibodies against nucleocapsid, meaning she's never actually really had the, the virus itself. She's only had the vaccine. And I do worry about those people because when they do get COVID, not only can they get a severe respiratory illness, but if there's a complication, this is an important principle, it makes the complication worse. So for example, if someone's already had a blood clot from the vaccine and then they get COVID, watch out. They can really get another blood clot or even a pulmonary embolism. And the same is true for the, the neurologic consequences, uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. So I do warn people, listen, getting COVID again is is not a freebie here. If you've okay. had a complication and, um, you know, we use a lot of uh, different strategies for prevention, but a, a daily strategy for prevention that really works is using the xylitol-based nasal sprays and gargles and xylitol mints and gum. And that's yeah. what I suggested to a few people. You know, I'm glad you said what you just said. Uh, you woke me up a little bit too. That, and I, I'm hearing it, and, and I think it's appropriate to say what you say that we should not take this for granted. And I'm seeing that with certain people, it does hit harder. And we don't want to, you know, rest on our laurels and not take this thing seriously. And as you say, it's not really. I mean, it's safe to say as well. This is not really the. I mean, to use the words like a common virus, a common flu, it's really the wrong words because. The kind of blood clots that are associated with this and the damage to the heart that's associated mm-hmm. with this and these kind of other factors, these are serious stuff. Is that is that mm-hmm. properly stated? It's true. You know, influenza doesn't cause blood clots or the common cold or rhinovirus. Uh, and so, okay. you know, to me, it's the blood clots and um, some of the cardiac manifestations. Now, having said that, there's a paper by Xi and colleagues from the VA just looking at COVID, not the vaccine, among the veterans who are hospitalized. So if uh, uh, COVID is serious enough to be hospitalized, 
afterwards, there's about a six-week period which there is an increased risk for heart attack, stroke, and cardiovascular death. After COVID-19, illness, no vaccine. <clears throat> but Malcolm, the same principle exists for influenza. If there's influenza serious enough to be hospitalized, again, there's a risk for post-influenza heart attack, stroke, and cardiovascular death. And the mechanism is that illnesses that severe that land people in the hospital are pro-inflammatory and inflammation in the body can precipitate a, a atherosclerotic plaque rupture uh, a, and then the development of one of these cardiovascular events. So I always tell people, listen, you know, you were hospitalized for flu or COVID, make sure you stay on full dose aspirin. Japanese have been doing that as a prevention measure and be alert to symptoms. We don't want to blow off chest pain or or a transient neurologic uh, symptom. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear that loud and clear. Um, you mentioned a moment ago something that I, I can't get out of my mind that um, I don't know if I heard it properly, and I'm kind of questioning it. You said something about smokers got escaped some of this, did got by mm -hmm. easier. What is that all about? I don't understand that. What is that all about? This is a fascinating story. We always thought smokers would be in bad shape with COVID, yes, but they seem yes. to, to skate through it. And Malcolm, what we found out is that even though smokers have worse lungs and they've been inhaling tar and, and this, it's the nicotine in the bloodstream. The nicotine seems to fight off the spike protein and doesn't allow the spike protein to insert itself into what's called ACE2 receptors in the cells. And so for this reason now, in people with long COVID, even those who don't smoke, will use a nicotine patch at a low dose. And patients, uh, their brain fog improves, their energy levels improve, and they feel better. And it's pretty innocuous. Uh, now, a full replacement nicotine dose for a smoker on a patch would be 21 milligrams a day. And we're only using seven milligrams for those who are non-smokers, non-COVID. We haven't had anybody get hooked on the patches yet. And so uh, there's one supportive paper on this, but we have enough experience in practice where it does help. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, this is fascinating. And I hear, I hear all the time, um, Dr. Brian Artis on the network talk about nicotine and that there's some really benefits of this kind of thing. And of course, I've always been on the anti-smoking camp. I've never smoked in my life. I've never tried it even, Dr. Because I'm like the worst one to say, it. but I've seen my mother die of it mm. um, from smoking for many years. She died of emphysema and she had, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, the lung thing, whatever she, it was pretty bad. Did she and, have lung cancer? Yeah, oh, she, yeah, yeah, she got it all, man. She had it at the end. She suffered a lot. And you know what? The thing about it, it, it freaks me out with, uh, I, I've always despised smoking because of that, Peter, because I seen a, I seen what my mom went through. I was in, I ended up going into the nurse home with her and really slept in a chair for like a week and a half prior to her death. And I seen how she suffered with this thing. And, you know, she died at 76. I just put this out there because it's on my mind. It's, you know, she died at 76, right? That's young when her mother died at 90, 90, 92, and her mother's mother died in the 90s. You know, she, and what I'm saying is she probably took 15, 16, mm -hmm. 18 years mm -hmm. off her life from this mm -hmm. horrible, disgusting habit that people do, which I've always despised. So like I said, I've never tried it. And I was like the worst one in her ear all the time telling her, to, mom, you got to get rid of that stuff. Please stop it. Stop it. You know, it's like she must have heard me. I don't know how many times as a young lad. You know what I mean? It's been years now. But the point is that now when you say the smoking thing, so I've always been on this like anti-smoking and I like I'm like the worst one. You're like it, like you can't smoke anywhere in my area. <laughs> I'll leave the entire region like I hate it. 
And yet, like, so I despise it. And yet, because I lost family, I lost a sister from that too, very young from smoking, uh, by the way. So I seen this up close and personal. And it's horrible what these people go through. Um, but then when we say the nicotine does something positive, it's kind of scratch my head, Peter. And I say, how, how can that be? Like, it's weird to me. You know what but I mean? But there are a few things where it does. Another area is nicotine has always had a positive effect on inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's disease, and ulcerative colitis. So, you know, it is, it, smoking, yes, is bad for the body. It causes lung cancer. It causes emphysema. It causes throat and esophageal cancer, uh, bladder cancer. Uh, so smoking is bad for the body, but the nicotine part of it is not. Nicotine is addictive, but it's the 2,000 components of tar in cigarettes, both that, that harm the body, not the nicotine. Right. Nicotine is a methylxanthine. It's actually slightly related to caffeine, right. and it's addictive. But it's not a harmful substance to the body. So, uh, you know, mm. right now, what That's we know right. is you know, smoking is a very interesting example that we've been using recently. Uh, people have asked me, Dr. McCullough, when are doctors going to wake up to the dangers of the vaccine? And I've said, listen, doctors have taken the vaccine. They're completely uh, entranced in this. It's going to be a long time. And they say, well, why do you say that? And I said, well, look at smoking. Uh, you know, the, the first doctor in Europe to, to really proclaim that smoking was bad and causing lung cancer, that occurred in 1912. And then by 1950, we had uh, a, a, a basically a, a, a treatise uh, published by uh, Sir Austin Bradford Hill, who had thoroughly analyzed this and said, smoking causes lung cancer in 1950. Do you know we went all the way to 1999 before we had the tobacco settlement? And, uh, you know, through the through the 50s and 60s, doctors smoked. They smoked in the operating room. I, they remember, smoked I, yeah, I remember. Nurses smoked. Yeah. Doctors, uh, surgeons were smoking when they were taking out lung cancers. And uh, the image I have in my mind is from the Emperor of All Maladies by Mukherjee, one of the Pulitzer Prize Dana-Farber Cancer Institute fellow. The lead lung cancer surgeon for Johns Hopkins used to smoke during surgery. He would uh, um, uh, wow. always opine that smoking had nothing to do with lung cancer, nothing oh to God. do with lung cancer. Oh he himself developed lung cancer and died of lung cancer. <laughs> and he never recognized it. You know, doctors advertise cigarettes, nurses advertise cigarettes. Wow. The tobacco wow. industry captured doctors and nurses to promote cigarettes. Wow. Guess what? Sounds very similar to the vaccine industry, capturing doctors and nurses yeah. to to push these vaccines. But the point is, it was about a 40 yeah. to 50 year period before there was a full recognition of the harm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I do not mean to be disrespectful and laugh at anybody that's died there, but the ironicness of that story is beyond, uh, beyond the stratosphere uh, when somebody is in such denial as you suggest. And the fact that these healthcare providers are doing that, how, how um, you know, how ignorant we all were, not we, because not present company, but mankind was uh, at that time not to have discovered much sooner the death. You think of all the people that died of this early on before, like you say, before the 90s, when they discovered, okay, the tobacco industry. Remember, they should put, the, they, I, I guess they still do put the warnings on things, Surgeon General warning, like you may croak any minute if you take this stuff. And I remember reading the different surgeon warnings and thinking that too, how silly it is. But I don't know, I've always been, uh, I just think our body is a gift. And I just think uh, it's very, um, 
callous to smoke cigarette or drugs, frankly. And I've never done either, uh, frankly. But, so but I, Malcolm, I, but yeah. think about yeah. the ridiculousness of this, right? right? So, you know, there's an epidemic of lung cancer and emphysema. Yeah. Smoke is not a natural gas. It's very unnatural to breathe smoke into the lungs. So the first thing you would think is, if there's a disease in the lungs that's occurring in an epidemic proportion, it's due to what one is inhaling into the lungs. It, it's just a natural conclusion. Exactly. Exactly. But yet people exactly. fought against this. I mean, this it's very it's very elementary, Peter. Is what it really yeah. is elementary. Come on, I mean, you, you you're putting that stuff in the air in your lungs, and I've seen those X-rays of the lungs, and and I know you have as well, and they're not pleasant looking, man. I mean. You kill your lungs like that. And and a lot of people that went through COVID, by the way, it's a juxtaposition of that point, is that a lot of people ended up with this bad scarring and it was the COVID pneumonia was as bad as having like a lung cancer, the damage oh, of it, I'm saying, right? It's true. I saw a patient with that today. Yeah. But, you know, it, the, the big clinical update there yeah. is that uh, patients seem to be very responsive to hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Yes, you said that. I've got to tell my wife about that. Yes, yeah. I've done this more yeah. than one occasion now. And, okay. uh, you know, it, it it increases the oxygen. Normally, when you're breathing right now, your oxygen concentration in the air is 21%. Now, you go in hyperbaric, it, they increase it to 100% oxygen. The pressure of the air around you right now, Malcolm, is one atmosphere. The hyperbaric increases it between two to three atmospheres. And then you just literally are in the chamber, listen to some music, and let the oxygen do its work. So it's healing healing the lungs, you're saying. It does a healing. That's it. That's it. You know, and it's approved. I mean, I guess, you know, it's approved by regulatory agencies. It heals diabetic ulcers in the feet it heals wow. chronic and wounds. you can get these in the home as well do i understand that right you can buy those you, and put you it in your can home? there's two major kinds it's called a hard shell and a soft shell the, okay. the soft shell is uh more affordable but it just can't give the strength and powers the hard shell so some people you know do invest in a hard shell what are we talking to money i have no idea what are we talking Any i idea? think we're looking at about sixty thousand. Oh, sixty thousand for a hard yeah. shell for a hard shell yeah for a hard shell but uh, I mean, then you have to get the setup for it and the electrical and what have you. Okay. But the data on hyperbaric consistently is positive. Wow. And it's not just a one-time thing. You, you have to go in there and go through a session on this right. uh, and do it a minimum of six mm. times, more like 40 times. The Israelis have a study of 40 times yeah. in order to get you know the wow. beneficial effect of hyperbaric. But I got to tell you, if I uh, I had a patient contact me recently, uh, a poor guy, he's in a wheelchair, he's paralyzed, and he has these non-healing wounds over his buttock area. And he said, uh, you know, he took a COVID vaccine, he was forced to take it. And ever since that time, these wounds, which were always difficult to kind of keep, you know, closed and healed, will not heal. And he took a picture, he's these gaping ulcers. I told him, listen, get in a hyperbaric chamber. That's the only thing that's going to heal these ulcers. Wow. Wow. And and it, the, the soft one, was it about 10 or 20 grand or something if the other 60? Uh, you know, I don't know. Oh, okay. I've just That's been advised enough. by everybody that- Imagine they're... if a company can take that hard shell one and reduce the price drastically, like to become more affordable, but still keep the quality. That'd be a, a one terrific business model, wouldn't it, Peter, uh, for somebody? It, it, you know? it, it would. Let me tell you another- uh, 
yeah. common application, Malcolm, yeah. Yeah. is for concussions. You know, when a concussion is a bruise on the brain, the brain has to heal itself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very hard. I mean, what are you going to do? Makes sense. And the athletes are using this all the time now for uh, concussion recovery. They go in a wow. hyperbaric chamber. So they must have them in the NFL uh, teams and stadiums and stuff, I'm sure. you know. I uh, would bet they do. Athletes seek seek out hyperbaric. But that's a small investment for them. I mean, the NFL team, uh, 60 is nothing to put out there to get a quality one and let the uh, – mm -hmm. I bet you they have that in there. They should if they don't. Uh, you know, I, I would mention it to Dee as well because, you know, as uh, most of you probably know, I mean, d d my wife almost I mean, almost died from the no COVID pneumonia. And, you know, even today, her she's got that uh, uh, scarring, Peter, in the lungs. And so mm. when she goes out in the cold air, I mean, she's never smoked in her life either. But yet it's almost like she would have been because she loses her breath in the cold air. She can't do cold anymore because it takes her breath away. It, her mm. breathing, you know, is real tough. So. This would probably help her, I think, from what you've been suggesting here. I think it right? could. It's a it's a bit late. You know, I probably would get a chest X-ray or a chest CT. But is that a clear change from before having COVID? Oh yeah, like, this is totally in the post-COVID world. She was her lungs were perfect. I mean, her health is perfect. She even said to me last night, as I recall right now, she said, "You know, I'm feeling really good, et cetera, et cetera." And I'm doing this, and I, oh, she's taking that here. I was telling you last week, she's taking that here skin and. Um, Nail of uh, oh, yeah. nails for the and right. loves it. She was talking about it last night to me as we we're going to bed. She Is said, right? My God, oh no, for real. She said, My nails, she said, My nails are really, really crazy strong. She said, I, I, They're back like they were when I was younger. I said, You're kidding me. I said, No, hmm. I, 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 she said, No, because I don't take it at all. And then she said, Her hair is growing faster and all that. I said, This is amazing. And she said, my God, if I could just get my breathing back, I'd feel like a young woman again, but back to before I got COVID and was, was hit by a Mack truck, uh, you know, almost died from it. And isn't the, and now we're talking about what you're talking about. And I'm just wondering if that would help her. I don't know. But anyways, uh, you, it, know, the, it, you know, it could be worth a try. Like I say, it's a bit late, but yeah. it could be worth a try. You, you know, you can search around for a hyperbaric yeah. center near you. Since you're going to have to go there, you know, multiple times, you want somewhere, some place that's kind of reasonably close to you right. uh, to go to, and it is cash out of pocket for. Right. Oh yeah. I think oh, these yeah, applications. Sure. Yeah, the health insurance. They, the, the health insurance people they pay nothing that 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 improves your health. They only pay things like they pay sick care when you're dead. Uh, that's when you have to yeah. pay the bill. I mean, come on. They don't. I mean, if if the healthcare companies, we ought to talk about this one time because I'm I'm pretty yeah. incensed about it, but but not today. But but. You know, if they would focus on people being health and wellness in the real sense of that, uh, Dr. McCullough, I mean, I think you, they'd save all kinds of money, but they don't. It's called it's really sick care to me, not really health care, because it's when you're sick and not when you're health. But there's a lot of things we can do that drive health that would be beneficial to these people. You know, and the last word on the hyperbaric oxygen thing. I'll let you and I talk about a business model. If we can get somebody that produces those, and I'm pretty good at marketing, Peter, and we could do a business model. You and I could get into business with that and reduce the price drastically, keep the quality up there and sell those things. Um, <laughs> Why that be a business model, right? Well, I mean, it's true. You know, just to, well, just to finish this thought, yeah. I've always been frustrated yeah. with this statistic that 50% of one's yeah. lifetime health expenditures occur in the last 30 days of life. This is true. That's right. And That's right. I was at a, right. yeah, I was on a grand rounds one time at a major center. And I think the CEO of one of the major insurance companies was given the grand rounds for, you know, Cigna or Aetna. And I went to it 
And I asked him the question. I said, you know, this 30% of, or 50% of everything that somebody spends in their lifetime is in the last 30 days. I said, well, you, you know, it, it, wouldn't it make sense that we could identify these last 30 days and just kind of call it hospice and, wow. you know, not get all these CAT scans and these Hail Mary chemotherapies. Well, they spend Proton money. They, you're right. They spend money right. like drunken sailors when you're in your last uh, thing. They don't care. They just order right. all the tests up. Well, that's it. And so I asked him about that. He goes, we will never touch that. He says, that's what Americans want. Americans want to spend this money. These guys are in the business of margins. As long as they can collect enough premium, yeah. they don't mind the payout. As you know, long as they keep their margins. And I, I'm telling you now, uh, yeah, I could fix the healthcare industry. I could fix a lot of these industries just with good American, old fashioned, good American conservative values. I could fix that industry in a hot second and people would feel better and we'd save a lot of money. Big Pharma would not be happy with me, but I would, I could surely fix a lot of this and do good by people. But this, everything is green today. Anyways, one last thing. We got to get to the questions here. I know that, mm -hmm. but I, I got to ask you this question here. And, and I only ask you this because this week, just the last couple of days here, uh, as folks are listening to Pulse here on Wednesday, uh, Toby Keith, Keith died. And, and I want to say mm -hmm. something to you respectfully. Now, hold on a mm -hmm. moment here. I want to say this very respectfully. I got multiple messages in here in the network uh, the day of and the day after here with Toby Keith, people questioning, asking if it was the vaccine and things like this. Let me just say this first before, and then I want to have you open on this. They say, okay, uh, he was injected uh, not long after he was diagnosed with the stomach cancer. They're saying, I don't know if this is true or not. This is what they're saying. So they want to know if there's a connection and they're kind of playing on that. And, you know, I want to say something to you, Dr. McCullough, and I'd like you to talk about it. And and I, I know we need to move on, but but this is on my mind. And here here's the thought. I think we're starting to get a little disrespectful now, and I'm going to say something to you, and I think we're starting to get a little rude. Every time somebody dies or some reason, right away, the, the, the health freedom movement and the people on this sort of offense, they immediately start to blame it on vaccines. And, and, and I'm getting a little tired of hearing it. I have to put this out there. It's my disclaimer to you. And I, I know we had talked about some of these stories early on, but it's getting old now. People are dying for a lot of reasons. You can't keep running and blaming everything on the vaccine anymore. I, I, do I have a pointer or not, sir? You do. We, we simply can't know. But Malcolm, I got to tell you, I testified in Congress and I said, listen, these are genetic products. We have a window of concern of five years since the last shot. Yeah. So, so this idea of like, how do we, how do we know that something is not related to the vaccine? You know, a we conservative don't. stance. It, listen, if he was in a clinical trial, this would have counted. This would have counted as a serious. But we don't know any of this. We shouldn't speculate on what we don't know. Is my point. You know. Well, well I mean, we shouldn't speculate on vaccine status. Now, yes. if it come out and say, "Listen, a guy tweeted out and he said he took the vaccine," it, we are in a regulatory window of concern. This idea that oh, it wasn't the vaccine. We we can't say that. Okay. Gotcha. You can't say that. Gotcha. People want to just quickly rule this out, and people die of other causes and this and that. Well, you know, if 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 he was ninety eight, I think people would let him let him be. Right. But Malcolm, he's your age, my age. No, I know, I know. I don't want to necessarily rule things out. That's not even my point. But I don't want to rule them in either. You see, you know, that's my point. I mean, I think a lot of people, the health freedom movement, they immediately go there, and it's becoming a little bit of a witch hunt. I think 
And I think it's kind of disrespectful in some cases to those families and others. And let's face it, some of us don't want to share our health information out there. We want to keep it private, Dr. McCullough. That's a fair statement, isn't it? You know, you know, there is an analysis, though, by John uh, Bedoin up in uh, up in Massachusetts. And he looked through, there's a way to look at the database of uh, obituaries. The database of obituaries since 2021 has had a doubling in deaths due to unknown causes. The typical obituary says someone died after a long battle with cancer, long battle with heart disease, or they died in a tragic car accident. But these deaths due to unknown causes. Yeah, your point is right. You're right. Listen, so people want their privacy. Mm -hmm. And if they want their privacy, keep their privacy. Yeah, but there are people out there saying, "Listen, get a vaccine, get a vaccine, better get." Then they end up with a blood clot, and then suddenly they want privacy. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. The, the, you know. So I think yeah. it goes both ways. The okay. only reason why it's reasonable to have the discussion is because other people are at risk. Why do we even have an obituary? Why do we even discuss death? So we could help somebody else. It's too late for the person who died. Yeah, it's yeah. too late for the person who died. But if, if something we can learn about him helps somebody else, we should talk about it. Well, there is a point to that. And I, I do give you that much there. I, I think we need to be very respectful as we're doing this. And I just see a lot of people to message in the network today on this point. And I'm not ready to make a leap on any person when there's so many unknowns to say, yeah, that person died from the vaccine. I, th- I think we do a disservice or disrespect to the family and that person to speculate. That's, I guess, what's my point is, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I think you're, you're, I, I know, but we're in the middle of a mass vaccine campaign. People have been forced into it. Well, public figures are dying. Yeah. It's a reasonable discussion. No one's being disrespectful. Well, even last week I did bring up, remember all the young people dying of cancer too, remember, but I think that was last right, week. Right. Or I mean, before, yeah. but you know, disrespectful, disrespectful is, is something else. Yeah. yeah. And, um, all right. We're in a special time. Yeah. We're in a special time. If if we were at war yeah. and there were large numbers of young people coming back from war and and dying, we wouldn't not talk about it. Yeah, no, I, I, you, you've opened my eyes a bit to that and I'll give yeah. you that. Uh, but I just, uh, my last point on it would be, let's do it with respect and some dignity in class, please. Uh, everybody out there and not just assume that everybody that died of this, that or the other. But I do get your point. The vaccine, mm-hmm. these unknowns are all over the place. You're exactly right. The young cancer deaths are all over the place. And as I recall back two years ago, three years ago, and you and I were talking on air here, Uh, We said this would possibly be a product of this thing in a post-COVID world. We had no idea. We had no idea then, but we did talk about this. I could rewind the tapes and hear us talk about Mm -hmm. it because we speculated that this would probably be in a post-COVID world. There would be unknown deaths that we would never know when we started to know these vaccines were as bad as they are. We we said that on air, and we we were right, and here we are today, and we were correct to your point a moment ago. So well, it's it's being conservative. Yeah, yeah. it's being conservative. If yeah. uh, if we were talking about cars, and uh, there was a particular series of events where a particular model car always seemed to crash, but you know by going yeah. to the right side of the road. You wouldn't say, well, all the drivers are bad. You'd say, wait, a minute, maybe there's something wrong with the car. That's it's, true. It's a conserv- when it comes to consumer yeah. product safety there, and, and drug safety, yeah. the, the, really the, the mantra is conservatism. We conservatively assume it's the, the product. Um, we would do the same thing with c- 
contaminated water and lead, we would say, boy, maybe they're, maybe they're sick because now lead has been found in the water. It's just a conservative thing to do. Now, interesting discussion for sure. And I always learn something from these uh, of these talks. And this one, especially today, has uh, been really, really good. So, all right. So last week, friends, we did the Q&A 100. Uh, it's a great milestone for this broadcast for the Q&A uh, format, which we really... I, I would suggest you uh, uh, perfected here, I guess, be the best way to say it. Uh, right in the, the heart of COVID, uh, we started doing these from a point of need and uh, because nobody was answering questions. And so we started to do them on Pulse. This is just after our launch of this amazing broadcast. Now, as you all know out there, America Out Loud Pulse is heard every day at 5 p.m., um, Eastern time now, but you can hear it anywhere in the world on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network on iHeart, on the apps or any of that, but 5 p.m. And there is an encore, by the way, and uh, that that encore, if you go to the uh, uh, news on the homepage, there's a talk radio schedule. It's finally up there, by the way. And uh, there is an encore that runs, oh, at noontime the following day. I had to go look and see when it ran. I wasn't sure, but noontime the following day, you can hear an encore of this broadcast on iHeartRadio, by the way. So it's, it gets a bit of coverage. Anyways, today's 101, Q&A 101. We're going to take a pause right here. Got some fantastic questions. We'll get to as many as we can, as always, in here. And uh, do that in just moments here on America Out Loud Pulse. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to americaoutloud.shop. That's americaoutloud.shop and use coupon code OUTLOUD. Use Cofix RX because it works. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, it's a patent pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to healthycell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Healthycell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off when god through his grace and mercy gave us free will the will of the people was to live freely to that end we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history this vision is manifest at americaoutloud.news a site for all who cherish free will and freedom Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Oh, 
Okay, so this is today an extension of the 100th, I'll call it, because, you know, we got so many questions in last week, couldn't get them all in. There was no possible way. And we did our very best. And we did a lot of questions. We did, I think, a record amount last week. And uh, I promised them we'd still get them. So when you hear, hear people saying their questions 100 today, that's what's happening. This is the 101st, but we're still referencing that. Let's jump right in here. I want to start with this uh, this uh, point here from a physician. This one here is from Dr. McCullough. And I'm just going to use the word Kevin. I only use first names on here, and I want to stay with that. It's a little bit longer. There's a few different points in here, but I think it's worthy of uh, diving into. He says, I think a lot of employed physicians and clinicians quietly disagree with the narrative while educating and treating their patients with the information they are learning on America Out Loud Pulse, FLCCC, and the AAPS, educational uh, conferences and programs, and want to see reform within their current institutions. Hopefully your thoughts can help us. I like that opening, Kevin. Thank you for that. He goes on to say, a question for concerned clinicians and their patients for the Q&A 100 episode. In late 21, I was blessed to help many of my patients through the Delta variant with a combo of the McCullough protocol. And using some of the FLCCC and APS. I, uh, I also found APS during this time. And he said, I openly spoke at the time of the ivermectin smear campaign in support of mm -hmm. using human commercial or compounded prescription ivermectin and about the capture of the regulatory agencies by pharma to my colleagues. So I just wanna, this is good stuff here. He says, I was told by a hospitalist in our smaller community hospital who was treating patients with standard COVID protocol and seeing so many die that we should stick with their the guidelines and wait for large institutions to provide further guidance. Ah, this is deja vu here, man. He said, that never happened. And I continue to treat my patients with what was working. That makes you a hero, Kevin, by the way. Um, and uh, with their informed consent and sheer decision making, the way healthcare is supposed to be, actually, I might add. I addressed my state medical board by video, asking them to produce a statement in support of physicians doing this and never received a response from them. What a joke. He said in early 22, during the Omicron, I was reported by a physician colleague, a pharmacist and a patient for my early treatment for patients with COVID. Huh, go figure, right? And told this would go before the peer review committee. I agreed to use only Cofix Rx in place of diluted uh, iodine home solution and not to use ivermectin for HCQ or HCQ for treating COVID. And I was not taken to peer review. I have treated several patients with COVID successfully since then using the OTC bundle, including Cofix RX nasal mm -hmm. spray. I warn patients of the risk of continuing to get COVID vaccines and try to treat patients for long COVID vaccine injury all the time. I'm frustrated that after four years, so little has changed in the mainstream guidance for the prevention and treatment of COVID-19. Dr. McCullough, do you think that there is a possible path forward for hospital system employed physicians like myself who do not involve independent practice in a parallel healthcare system. Hmm. You know, that is a really packed loaded question because he, he wants to help people. He's employed as a, you know, health system doctor and his hands are tied. So he doesn't have the full range of drugs. So he's recommending over-the-counter items. You know, I interviewed Dr. Brentios on my show from El Salvador, Dr. Chetty from South Africa. They never used hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. They used other drugs to get patients through the illness. And so I think the answer is yes. 
that this doctor could use, uh, you know, on-label Paxlovid, Molnupiravir, prednisone, doxycycline, cyproheptadine, promethazine, can use the other drugs now. This always caused a call for creativity. I think one of the mistakes kind of the freedom doctors did is they became too hyper-focused on hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. Yeah, they were valuable drugs, no doubt about it, but doctors were able to treat patients without them. The medical boards clearly wanted to find something to target, and they targeted these two drugs. The FDA openly targeted and you know I do think that they're valuable drugs but they weren't the only valuable drugs no single drug was necessary nor sufficient and you know I had I was the one who you know had Pierre Corey get invited to the December 8th 2020 Senate hearings and I tried to coach him you know he's a young doctor he doesn't have you know much experience but he, he gets up there and he goes well ivermectin is a miracle drug and I was saying don't say that that's exactly what the bad guys want to hear you know, this biopharmaceutical complex, these these players who, who want to take away hope from people, they want a doctor to say that and then crush whatever that idea is. If the doctor is dispassionate and say, yeah, I can treat COVID with any, any array of drugs, we can get people through it, the principles are treat people early, then it's like, oh boy, you know, then there's there's no more tension. Let me tell you, along the lines of this, now this doctor is now relying on a lot of over-the-counter solutions, which is fine, but there is a movement afoot, Malcolm, for the Federal Trade Commission to start to remove over-the-counter nutraceuticals and supplements uh, based on some new criteria regarding randomized trials. It's really raising concern among the the health and wellness community that they're, they're going to have things taken away from them. It's insane. I have to tell you, it's absolutely insane. Uh, they need to stay out of it. This they do not need more intervention into this stuff. Let the physicians do what they need to do in the naturopathic and the healthcare and other physicians do what they need to do to treat this thing. So anyways, okay. Uh, very good. I thought you would appreciate that, uh, that whole um, uh, question and uh, uh, summary he put out there. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. It really sizes up a lot of the struggles that these physicians are going through. And I, I felt it was good to share that with everybody. Um, you know, I, I, let me say to Kevin something real briefly, the doctor here that just wrote that letter in here. I know you're limited to what you can do or not do, but tell him to listen to America Out Loud Pulse, and then we'll send him to the wellness company, then get the ivermectin and HCQ through them. <laughs> just saying, just saying, just saying. Not saying you have to say anything, but we'll do the we'll do the lifting here to help you, Kevin. Ah. Malcolm, I just had a patient today with COVID, ah. yeah. and I had a pharmacy in a rural town in Texas uh, deny the ivermectin. Ah. We're four years into it. That's sick. We're four Stupid. years into it. Yeah. Yes. Well, and keep in mind that one one last point to this and. You know, in the heat of battle, when there were so many things people didn't know, a lot of people did not know what else would work or what wouldn't work. And people were dying all over the place. And ivermectin and HCQ really did become, back to his point, Corey's point, uh, sort of quasi-miracle drugs or whatever you want to call them. To a lot of people, I'm saying, I'm not trying to profess anything here, mm-hmm. but to a lot of people, if they save your life, that's a miracle. So you call it whatever you want. I gave D six days, remember, of ivermectin and HCQ based on your recommendations and luckily, we got all that in her before she almost got on a ventilator, and we would have lost her had we not done this. So these were miracles to a lot of people. Well, and- they were, and you know, especially drugs used in combination. And yeah. I was just talking to my practice partner today about Dr. Proctor on this. We have so much experience now. We've treated thousands and thousands of patients. I do think milligram for milligram, 
the most rapid response and the most life-saving drug we have in COVID is ivermectin. I really do. It's Amen. just, you know, Amen. you hit people with a yeah. proper dose early. Yeah. It is incredibly useful. I had a patient say that one of the reasons why I use ivermectin is, is that Paxlovid, which I can use, or Molnupiravir, I can use, they're so slow to work. And yeah. people just kind of yeah. putz along. You know, people, A, want to avoid the hospital. And they certainly don't want to die. But they want to get better more quickly. And, and that becomes a treatment priority as well. Yeah, yeah. Let me make a statement here to folks. Uh, I've got want to get to this next question with Deb. But before I do, uh, listen, uh, those products, they have these wonderful COVID kits and emergency kits with Wellness Company, which are phenomenal. You get the the ivermectin, the HCQ, but you get the budesonide, the nebulizer. You get all kinds of treatments in there, which are utilized for all kinds of things. And it's one handy kit and it's one great price. And you can get them all right through the Wellness Company as well as the base spike detox. And I want to give that a plug right now. And they are one of our partners here. We we like what they're doing out there. And that product is available in americaoutloud.shop. Use the code OUTLOUD with any of those. They are all negotiated pricing. That's our commitment to our listeners, our family, America Out Loud family of listeners and readers. And you'll get 25% off that product by using the code OUTLOUD. So I want to put that out there. I also want to mention Cofix Rx, since we talked about that a moment ago as well. They have a new throat spray, by the way. You can get both of those back to the uh, the comments from that uh, li uh, listener just moments ago. And those you can get 20% off as well using the code out loud. So use the code out loud. Those products in the shop are phenomenal. The companies are are wonderful uh, companies. They're, they're in the fight here and they want to see people do well. And uh, we do your research, do do your own research and figure it out. But you, but anyways, I want to get that in there. Let me get on now to Deb uh, for the Q&A 100, she says, but it's 101 now. So here we go. First of all, I can't thank you all enough for the tireless work you are putting into this issue. I have so many questions, but let me keep it brief. My healthy sister died 10 days after her first Moderna shot of a brain mm. in aneurysm. After mm -hmm. extensive research, I'm convinced the shot killed her. I guess my first question is, can anyone get a hold of death records to see what recorded as the cause of death? And do you think the majority of the population at this point knows the truth of these vaccines is just completely ignoring it? I feel like I'm in this weird limbo, she says, not really recognizing the world as I used to know it. Oh, Deb, you're not alone, my love. You're not alone at all. Seems like a few people in my circle believe the same, but too many others don't believe what is pure reality and truth to me. Do you believe this issue truth will ever be hashed out, revealed through mainstream media? That's a hell of a question, Deb. I doubt it. What do you say, Dr. McCullough? <laughs> okay, I have some homework for Deb because I, I think she really wants to bring some closure to this. The vaccine probably did not cause the aneurysm. The aneurysm was there, but the inflammation and the damage the, the vaccine does to blood vessels probably caused it to burst. And it also the vaccine raises blood pressure. That's a common mechanism to rupture and have a fatal aneurysm, uh, especially the temporal association takes it and you know within a few days dies. But here's the homework assignment. Get a copy of the death certificate. They're publicly available. You can request them uh, next of kin, typically the legally authorized representative. We always tell people to probably get like 12 death certificates because you need it for so many different things, life insurance and, and uh, funerals and what have you. Um, and then, uh, uh, hopefully, Deb lives in the United States. Go on to the U.S. CDC VAERS system, V-A-E-R-S, and say you want to enter 
this death and you enter in the name and the address and phone number and and uh, you know you can enter in some general circumstances what's what's happened and the death certificate number and report it there. But don't stop there. Go to truthforhealth.org and report the vignette there. You can give them some more details and then go ahead and report it in um, uh, in React 19, which is the most widely utilized uh, patient injury website. Now, you're going to need a copy of the vaccine card. So make sure you go through her records and get a copy of that vaccine card. Hopefully it's not lost and make the entries. And yeah. what I can tell you is that a recent Rasmussen survey was done. And 53% of Americans thought the vaccines were causing serious adverse events, resulting in large numbers of deaths. So the current answer is 53% of the country knows, 47% doesn't. There you go. There you go. Deb, thanks for that question. You're, you're a couple of uh, points here in the paragraph. Thank you for sending that in. Uh, I'd love to talk to you sometime. I'd love to get some of you on the program sometime. Uh, Ian, that's a great one right there. Anyways, let me get on to John here. Thanks and God bless you, Dr. McCullough and Malcolm. You are both American treasures. Wow. Questions for the 100th show. 101 now, John, but thank you. <laughs> Why do some people catch COVID multiple times? Is there a verifiable difference in COVID immunity between vaccinated and unvaccinated people? That's still being worked out, but I bet there is. I bet there are probably small little defects in mucosal immunity that makes someone more likely to get it than others. I had a patient today who had a slight deficiency in what's called IgA, which is IgA is the type of antibody that's in mucus in the nose and the mouth. A doctor tested for him. So listen, you're a little weak here. And he did have COVID multiple times and he's, you know, he's now invaded his body. Uh, that could be an explanation. Another explanation could be exposure. People who get exposed over and over again versus people who are relatively reclusive and they don't get much exposure. We're getting down to what's called germ versus terrain. The germ theory uh, posits that, uh, listen, you don't have it and then suddenly somebody coughs on you and you have it. The terrain theory says, listen, you're getting exposed to this all the time. The virus is probably in your nose all this time. And then it's when you have a weakness in your immune system, does the virus invade and actually cause illness? And, and the truth is probably somewhere in between. The CDC wastewater data, Malcolm, suggests that almost everybody has COVID all the time. The SARS-CoV-2 is everywhere in the, in the, um, in the sewer system, M meaning that at least at, the, at a building level or a population level, that this virus is, is with populations uh, all the time. Okay. Um, you know, this next one from Miri I want to share with you uh, is one that, believe it or not, this might be one of the first questions I can answer. Here it goes, but I want to get it out here. It says, Miri says, could you please direct me to someone who can prescribe ivermectin? I would like to have it in case of the active infection. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, Miri, I can gladly answer that. It's called the Wellness Company. And you can... We just talked about it just moments ago, but I had to get that in. And you can get it from the wellness company. You can sign up for their one wellness and get all your telemedicine every month. Uh, but, or you can buy, uh, get on with the doctors or these kits, these uh, COVID kits, I think they call it, right, Dr. McCullough, the COVID kit? Uh, yeah, so the COVID kit, or I think they call it a pandemic kit, but that has hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, the antibiotics we use. It has a very valuable budesonide um kind of actuator to get the, the inhaled corticosteroid. And it's the only way that you can get the drugs ahead of time legally. Don't ask your doctor 
to prescribe a stockpile of, um, of ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. That's just going to get the doctor in trouble with their medical license. Patients ask me that all the time. I said, listen, if you don't have the illness, I can't legitimately stockpile any medicine for you. I just can't do it. I'm going to, you know, the, the, the medical boards are already on the hunt here. And uh, the wellness company allows you to do it legally. You sign up, um, make sure you sign up and get the membership. And you do that through OutLoud. Remember the, the promo code OutLoud and get the membership. That'll get you the discount. And you want to use the OutLoud to actually buy the kit because that's where the big savings is. And let me tell you, one of these kits is going to be way cheaper than going to the ER or clinic or urgent care if you get sick. Yep, absolutely. Yes. The Out Loud gets you 25%, but all that stuff is in the AmericaOutloud.shop to see it. But but anyways, good stuff. I'm glad you, uh, and I love what you said there about stockpile. And a lot of people have sent in, I've seen a lot of those responses over time about stockpile. And, and I, I, I appreciate your answer back that physicians really are not able to casually do that. And that makes sense. I mean, on any medicine, you really can't. I can't do that. And I, and I get that. I totally get that. So this next one is from Richard. A question for the 100th show, he says. 101st, here we are. A relative mentioned to me at a family gathering that he and his wife got the COVID vaccine in late 21 because they wanted the antibodies. Wow. This remark reminded me of these Hollywood movie plots like Outbreak, where antibody serums heroically saved the world. I haven't mm -hmm. heard of the term antibody used in a while on the show. Can you educate us lay people and tell us if the mRNA COVID vaccines actually produced any of these Hollywood style world saving antibodies against the virus, either for the original Wuhan strain or subsequent strains? I am assuming correctly, am I assuming correctly that a healthy immune system also creates antibodies without mm -hmm. the need for the vaccine? Right. So the infection generates a whole library of antibodies. The infection, there's probably 29 proteins and gosh knows how many antibodies, probably dozens and dozens of antibodies. So remember the first attempt at this, Malcolm, was for people to donate blood who recovered mm -hmm. and they collected the, the antibodies in the plasma. That was called convalescent plasma. Then people would get an infusion of this. This was actually a strategy in the first year. It was a big debate by the FDA and whether or not we should do this. And people were donating blood. And this was the Hollywood style antibodies that the listener is um, is asking us about. This was attempted even in the Spanish flu to try to do this and, and other pandemics. So we actually did go through a period of time with convalescent plasma. Then manufactured fully humanized monoclonal antibodies came out with bamilivimab, uh, and then the Sanofi product, and then back to Lilly, and uh, these products came forward. But they were they were they were highly effective and safe. But they were rapidly taken off the market. Um, they weren't used in very sick people. If there was a low oxygen saturation, all these were terrible strategies. The monoclonal antibodies should have been used in everybody in the ER, everybody in the hospital. They were always safe and effective. But we have we have currently none on the on the market. The vaccines. Unlike the convalescent plasma and the monoclonal antibodies, give a restricted library of antibodies only against the spike protein, and uh, they've been narrowly focused. And sadly, the vaccines have been very ineffective, uh, partially because the antibodies raised by the vaccine really don't penetrate the nasal mucosa. You generate IgG antibodies inside the body, but the IgA libraries is um, is very you know, sluggish to ever respond to this. So we don't get the mucosal immunity. 
And multiple studies in 2021 showed that people who are fully and freshly vaccinated carry large quantities of virus in the nose and mouth. So it, it doesn't sterilize the nose and mouth from the virus. And so that was the problem with the vaccines. They failed to actually stop the virus and stop transmission. Okay. Now, there you go, Richard. Uh, this one's from Jeanette. Are people at risk of getting the mRNA from partners who have gotten two doses transferred sexually or kissing? Lots of talk of this acting like the AIDS virus, uh, she's, asked, uh, she's saying. And if so, why aren't we talking about the teens who are dating someone who could be vaxxed? You know, in theory, we'd expect the messenger RNA is in, you know, um, saliva and sexual secretions. There's never been a documented case of transference. The messenger RNA was identified in breast milk by two studies by Hannah and colleagues. Uh, it's been uh, freely circulatory in blood, the spike protein for at least six months, the messenger RNA for a month. We don't know how long. A reasonable rule of thumb is, listen, you know, wait six months before getting hot and heavy with anybody after a vaccine. And, uh, you know, most people aren't taking them, Malcolm. So I, I, without any proof of transference, you know, I, I, I could just say, listen, a reasonable thing is six months on, you know, on taking one of these shots uh, before, you know, dating, new relationships, blood donation, et cetera. Okay, let's get last one in here from Frank. He says, thank you for being part of God's work here. My family and I got vaxxed in 21. What kind of tests will verify if we have myocarditis? Also, since then, my wife developed a tumor or breast, uh, which they say was not cancerous. I believe they want to check her every six months and that radiation worries me. What is your thoughts on thermographies for cancer screenings? Uh, let me take the myocarditis first. Myocarditis would be history, physical exam, EKG, if there's clinical suspicion, blood tests, they include uh, troponin, BNP, galactin-3, uh, and then a decision on imaging, a cardiac ultrasound or MRI, and it becomes a clinical diagnosis. But we always start with, you know, if the patient's having any symptoms in the EKG. Remember that it's mainly myopericarditis. So pericarditis, we pick up on the EKG. We can see fluid around the heart with ultrasound. Um, and, and so I would, I would leave it there. When it comes to mammography, I believe the current guidelines are age 45 for a woman without a family history of breast cancer. It's earlier if there's a family history of breast cancer. Mammography is safe and effective. It does detect breast cancers before they're clinically detected. And there's also other modes, including ultrasound, uh, that can be used. But I am a proponent to get ahead of breast cancer. We don't want to wait until there's a hard lump in the breast before we start to react to it. Absolutely. Amen to that. Uh... That is a wrap here, friends. That is Q&A uh, 101, 101 here. Please thank you for joining us on the mission here on America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat ahead.